Let's pray. Our Father, as we have moved through this service, we have sensed your quiet spirit moving and working. And now as we come to your word, we pray that you will continue to guide us into your truth. We sang this morning, speak, O Lord, and you do this through your word. So I pray that the handling of your word will be with humility and direction by your spirit. The hearing of your word will be with the understanding through the unfolding of light by your spirit. May nothing be frivolously done or said with your word, but may it accomplish the purpose for which you have sent it this morning. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to do two things. Uh, This morning I want to begin um, by letting you know that this, uh, there are very few times when I choose what I'm going to speak on. Um, My, my, this, there are two reasons for this. When, when I, when I go through the books as I'm going through Ephesians consecutively, I, I, I have to do everything that God says. You know, there are some hard passages and say, well, I'm not going to preach on that. But when you go through the Bible consistently, you have no choice. You're under obligation, which I delight to do. But there are times when I want to do like I'm doing this morning, and that is with our week of prayer coming up, there are two things that are very vital when it comes to dealing with the, the prayer life of the church. That the prayer life of the church is sustained by the Scriptures. So I want to begin this week by talking about not only why we're, we're reading the Scriptures through the year, but I want to tell you why the Scriptures are important as it relates to next week's um, week of prayer. You shall see this. I begin this week, and then next week we begin our week of prayer Sunday morning with a message on prayer that comes from the Word of God. Therefore, I have chosen the text this morning And one of these years, Lord's willing, I'll get to it by and by, but I have chosen it for this morning. You heard me tell this story before, and I tell it again this morning for emphasis. It was one of those times when my daughter and I, uh, by the way, she was over at our house this past week. She dropped in um, to to get some stuff, and uh, actually she said... uh, I was at the doctor, so I said, are you sick? No, she said, I'm having some pain. She said, Dad, I'm getting old. (laughs) I looked at her. And I said, what are you going to do when you get as old as I am? She never answered. (laughs) But we were having one of those daughter-dad time, which we did very regularly when Heather was a little girl. And, and one day, I, uh, she was sitting on my knees, and, and I said to her, um, if, if you would ever get shipwrecked, and you were marooned in an island, and you could only have one book with you, what book would you want? Being a preacher, I didn't expect the answer. She said, I'd like, this is what she said, 
I'd like a book, I'd like to have a book on how to build boats. <laughs> I was disappointed. I said, what about the Bible? She said, Dad, if I build a boat, I can get a land where I can buy a Bible. <laughs> I tell you that story because I was reading from the Psalms this past week that God's word is more precious than silver and gold. And, and I wonder what value we put on that word. See, my daughter said I'd like a, a boat so that I can... You know, and, and the, the trouble is that sometimes once you get off the island, you forget that you're going to buy a Bible. We make wonderful promises to God when we're in hard places, do we not? And, and as soon as we're out from that place, we forget the promises we have made. Paul is talking to Timothy. If you look at the beginning of this text, beyond before verse 14. He's talking about the terrible times that will come. And actually he said, in the last times, the times in which you and I are living. In the last times there will be terrible, terrible experiences. And he said, but you have something that will, that will get you through the hard times. From a child, and Kim prayed this in her prayers this morning. From a child you have known the scriptures of the sacred writings. And what the, what, what the scriptures are able to do for you, no other book can do. So then he went on to say, I'll tell you why. And then this great, great portion of the scriptures, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable. All scripture so this morning we want to spend the next few minutes talking about the scriptures. Why is it valuable more than silver and gold? And I trust that it is. I want to begin by talking about the author of the scriptures. The author of the scriptures. Paul said to Timothy, in difficult times you will have to have something that is more solid, more foundational, Something that is eternal. And the scriptures are able to make you wise unto salvation. And then he went on to say, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. Therefore, we are told who wrote the scripture. The scriptures are authored by God. But before we get there, I want to deal with a brief definition of what we mean by scripture. What do we mean when we use the term it is sometimes called the Word of God. It is sometimes called the Bible. Sometimes God's Word is swung around. I was in a Christian bookstore this past week. I was looking for a certain translation of the Bible. I told myself 20 years ago I wasn't going to buy another translation after I bought the last one. And this is how long it has taken me to buy another translation. 20 years. Because I used the New American Standard Version. And uh, I, 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 I still like it, and I will ever use it. But there was another translation that came, and I thought I wanted to get a copy of that. So I was in the bookstore, and to my chagrin, 
I never realized that so many people have their names written in the book, in the Bible. You could get this one study Bible, this one study Bible, uh, uh, Joyce Meyer's study Bible, John MacArthur's study Bible, and I mean it just went on and on and on. You know, the last time I bought a Bible, the only thing it said was Holy Bible. And now you can buy the Bible for, for excess, the women's Bible. You like that one. <laughs> Next thing you're going to have a, a children's Bible. I think they probably have that already. What do we mean when we say the Bible? What do we mean when we say the scriptures? Well, let me tell you what, what, what I mean when I use the word scripture. The word is used by Jesus in Matthew 20, I'm sorry, in Luke 24, 27. Jesus opened the scriptures to the minds of the apostles. What did he mean? In the Old Testament, the book of Daniel, chapter 10, verse 21, the word scripture is used. It is used by, in the gospel by Matthew 26, 56. And from the original language, the word simply means this, a written document. That's what the word scripture means. A written document. And, and one may, may say, but there are documents of all kinds. We have historical documents written uh, on Caesar's life. We have documents written on Philio's life. We, we have all kinds of material we can go to any history place and find. When Jesus was in the wilderness being tempted by the devil, listen to what he said. It is written. He was speaking of scripture. And when, when Paul used the word as it is there, it is assumed that he's talking of the Old Testament scriptures. Isn't it interesting? The one book that we tend not to like, that is what Jesus used to get through his temptation with the devil. And, and so when, when, uh, this morning in my own reading, I, I was reading Psalm 119. Took me about 20 minutes to read that one chapter. 175 verses. Why? Well, see, when Paul says scripture, he doesn't mean simply a written document. Yes, it is written. But listen to what he says about the scriptures. He said the scriptures are a divine document. The scripture is something that does not originate with, with the men who will later write. So he begins by saying, all scripture is inspired by God. To, to, to inspire, let, let me suggest what it does not mean. It doesn't mean that God inspired men to write the scriptures. What it means is that God inspired the scriptures that men were going to write. A different situation altogether. And I won't get into the Book of Mormon or anything else this morning. So in scripture, we're not confronted by human ideas, but by the very mind of God. That when, when, when we'll see later on, when the scriptures were being written by men, how God made sure that what men were writing was what he inspired in them, not what he inspired them to write. The mind of God then comes through the scriptures 
it means that scriptures came into existence by divine revelation. It, this cannot be said of any other book. I have some wonderful books in my library at home. I have books that are over 100 years old. And I love those books. I wouldn't get rid of them for anything. And oftentimes I sit and I read some of these things and I have to be reminded again and again, as wonderful as they are, they are not the scriptures. They are about the scriptures, but they are not the scriptures. When we say scriptures, we're saying that we're talking about the mind of God, the breath of God, because that's what the word inspiration means. To be God-breathed. That means it comes out from God. And we shall see how this is done in a, in a few minutes. No other written document can make this claim. This, I, I, I want you to understand, is why the scripture, the holy scripture, the holy Bible, the word of God, this is why it is important to us. Because it is what God thinks. It is what God wants. It is God telling us about himself. It's God revealing to us his, his, his purpose and his whole plan for the human race. This cannot be said of any other book, no matter how wonderful they may be. And there are wonderful books, of course. So the author of Scripture, no one else can claim that. Uh, I was talking to a friend, a, a young uh, man that I was mentoring, uh, that I am mentoring. And I picked him up the other day. We were going out of town for a meeting, and he said, you are popular, you know. I said, I am. I didn't know that. He said, did you write a book? I said, no, I didn't write a book. He said, yes, you did. I thought, oh, my word. <laughs> so I thought, he said, Moody Bible Institute has your book on record. Oh, no, I said, I had to write a thesis when I got my master's degree. And they have that in the library of Moody Bible Institute. Now, that's not unique for me. Every student who graduated has that. But all of a sudden, I thought, oh, I am an author. <laughs> no, I just wrote a thesis. Now, I, I'm afraid to tell you what grade I got in this thing. I don't even remember for that matter. When we say that God authored the scriptures, we are not talking, my dear friends, that God had a community event in which he gathered the angels and the seraphims and everyone around all the created beings in heaven and said, I want, I want, I want the, the world to know something and I, I need your opinion. What do you think of that? No, none of that. When we say God inspired scripture, it means that the word of God came out of God in an absolute, perfect, pure, complete way, revealing to us what the mind of God was concerning issues. The author is God. Not with the help of angels. Not with the help of seraphim or cherubim. But God himself. So that when Jesus came into the world, what do we hear? The Word was made flesh. The Word. 
So Jesus is the expression of God, as we shall see in a few minutes. But now we get to the place, because when we look in the Bible, we see the names of men before the scriptures. The epistle of Paul, Matthew's gospel. This is what I call the authoring, the authoring. God is the author, but now God wants to communicate what he has authored, what what he has, has expressed. He wants it to come to you and to me. And for us to understand how this was done, I want you to turn to 2 Peter, 2 Peter chapter 1. We are going to be looking on Wednesday nights, especially when we come to the month of February, on prophecy. One of the reasons I believe the Bible to be the Word of God is because of its prophetic expressions, where God prophesy things. For example, we just came through Christmas and the birth of Christ, the place where he was going to be born, the timing of his birth and everything was predicted 750 years before it ever took place. And it happened precisely as he said. That's one of the reasons I believe the scriptures. Just one. And so Peter now, here's Peter, is talking about scripture. Paul said all scriptures inspired. Now how did it get to you and to me? Is it not possible that when that word was being transcribed that somebody could make a mistake? Are we sure we have the word of God? Are we sure that we can trust this? That when we say these, these are the, 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 the things that God wants us to know, are we certain of that? I hope you are. Let's look and see how Peter said it was done. 2 Peter chapter 1, looking at verse 21. 2 Peter 1, verse 21. Listen to what he says. No prophecy or scripture, prophecy or scripture, was ever made by an act of human will. There are some churches that have their their holy book. And that holy book is preserved by its leaders. That holy book came about because these men said that this one man had some kind of inspiration and so he wrote. Or it was told to him. Peter says, no scripture is of human will. So the scriptures do not say to me what I want to hear. The scripture says to me what I need to hear, not what I want to hear. Because I'm going to tell you right now (laughs) that I don't want the scriptures to tell me that I am bad. Uh, In in fact, I'm going to tell you something else. The The scriptures do not say that you are as bad as you think you are. The scripture says you are worse than you know you are. (laughs) See, St. Paul was a righteous man. 
walking around, doing away with people who were doing certain things. And then he was confronted by the scriptures. And all of a sudden he said, all of a sudden I was made to understand that I have certain passions that are negative. Certain passions that are offensive to God. I didn't realize that this was happening. And I wouldn't have known unless the scripture says it was so. So Peter is talking. He said, this is not of any human will. The scriptures did not come about because old people back in the first century thought this might be a good idea. Now he goes on to say how the scriptures were authored. First of all, we see this. Verse 21. Men were chosen by God. (laughs) Men. We'll see what kind of a man in a few minutes. But think of that. When God wanted to make sure that the scriptures would get to you and to me, he didn't choose angels. Now, it would make better sense, don't you think? Angels are in better position to tell us what God has to say. I mean, one of the things, please excuse me now, because I'm not, I'm not meddling, but I'm just saying what is, what is, what is true. If there is one thing, one thing Americans don't like is for any man to tell them what to do. <clears throat> you know, we have this sense. <laughs> you know, the <laughs> we have this sense that, that we are we are self-important people. That that that. That when it comes to what is right, that's why we love democracy. And, and I just want to tell you that in heaven, it won't be a democracy. I just want you to know. It's going to be a theocracy. So, you see, the reason we like democracy is because we have a part to play in it. We, we think it's our right. It is, it is our God-given privilege. I listened to a man this morning talking about this, and I said, oh no. (laughs) It's not true that God has called us as he was saying, and and it was a religious program. Why? Because he was dealing with, with scripture as a democratic authority, and it is not. God is the author of scripture, even though he's going to use men. I mean, that blows my mind. Because I'm going to tell you what I know about myself. If I were asked to choose someone to write the scriptures, I'm not too sure I'd choose myself. Because I know what is in my heart. I know what I must confess to God again and again and again. Yet you read in scripture, in Isaiah chapter 8 verse 1, The Lord said to me, Isaiah was a man. In Jeremiah 1.9, God said to Jeremiah, I will put my words in your mouth. In Revelation 1.11, John said, I heard a voice which saying to me, write. So, so here are these men. While God is the original author of scripture, he chooses human beings to write what he reveals. Please listen to this. The Bible was written over a period of 1,500 years. 66 books. 40 different writers. 40 different writers. 
and yet there is no class, no contradiction. There is no error. Why? Because although he was choosing men to write, there was one author. Let me quickly get to that. How did he control? How did God control this authoring of his word? Peter helped us again. Peter said this in verse 21, No scripture, no prophecy of scripture was made by an act of human will, but men moved by the Holy Spirit or the Holy Ghost, as some translations like to put it. Holy men. God knew those he would choose to write the scriptures. They had to have certain character, characteristics that were true. But even beyond that, they had to be in a place where the Spirit of God was able to carry them along as they were writing. The word moved as a the kind of idea of being nudged. But that's not what he did. Holy men were not nudged. Wake up. It's time for, uh, you know, it reminds me, uh, when I was in college, I, I, I never sit in the back seat in, in college. And I had reasons for that, and this will tell you why. Uh, it, it was before I got there, but one fellow was sitting in the back seat, and he was fast asleep. And the teacher said, called his name and said, I want you to answer this question for me. And he was snoring. This is a true story. And his friends nudged him. Says, hey, hey, the prof said to pray. And he stood up and he started to pray. And the professor said, okay, now that you're finished praying, I want you to answer the question. <laughs> See, he was not connecting. He was nudged. And whatever he, he the nudge came, whatever information came afterwards, that's what he did. That's not what we have here in the word move. The word move is to carry along, to sustain in a way that what was being done and what was being written was incapable of being error, being false. Let me take you very quickly through some passages dealing with that. In Exodus chapter 4, verse 12, I will, I will put my words in your mouth and teach you what to say. I, God is speaking, I will put my words in your mouth and teach you what to say. In 2 Samuel chapter 23 verse 2, the Spirit spoke by me and his word was on my tongue. Isaiah 51 verse 16, and I, and I have put my words in your mouth and have covered you with the shadow of my hands, here carrying them along. They were, not put, they were not to put their ideas. They could not put their ideas in the scriptures. Even though they wrote as human beings, they were not putting, putting human ideas into scripture. It's God's revelation to them. So we read in Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 2. 
God who spoke in different ways at different times in different manners to our fathers, the prophets, has in these last days spoken unto us by his Son. So Jesus is the last word that we have from God. In times past, he spoke this way and spoke this way. But now, now, the word has become flesh and he has, God speaks not through his word. God speak himself. He spoke by his, his son. Man spoke through. God speaks when Jesus speaks. And so Jesus spent three years with his disciples. And he said things to them. John said he did and said so many things that if we were to write all the things that Jesus said and done, we wouldn't have enough space to do it. So how did they know what to take? If you please, again our text. And Peter was one of them, by the way, so he knew. Listen to what he says. Holy men of God, moved by the Holy Spirit, spoke from God. Moved by the Holy Spirit, in John 16, 13 to 15. Listen to what this says. John 16, 13 to 15. Jesus is telling the disciples how they will be able to maintain and to carry on what he had said to them. In John 16, 13. But when the spirit of truth comes, he had not yet been given. He will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak of his own initiative, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will disclose to you what is to come. The Holy Spirit then guided those men so that when they were writing, they were writing precisely as the prophets wrote. We read in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. That the Holy Spirit is the one who takes the deep things of God and reveals them to us. Old Testament, in fact, I find a very remarkable passage of scripture in 2 Peter. Go back to 2 Peter. This time, chapter 3, verses 15 and 16. All scripture is given by inspiration, says Paul. And then in 2 Peter, chapter 3, <clears throat> excuse me, in 2 Peter 3, 15 and 16, what we have been, been reading Paul, uh, Peter continues to speak, and he says, yes, here it is. And regard, reg and regard the patience of our Lord as salvation, just alt as also our brother Paul, according to the wisdom given to him, wrote to you, as also in his letters, speaking in them, these things in which some, are, some of the things are hard to understand. 
Do you get that? Peter said, Paul wrote some things that are hard to understand. Then if you read some things that are hard to understand, don't be dismayed. Because if Peter found that Paul wrote some hard things, then my friends, you and I will not just get over the scriptures by, by reading it, even though the, the Spirit led him. But listen to what he says. Which the untaught and unstable distort as they do also the rest of the scriptures. So Peter is saying that what Paul wrote is also part of the Holy Scriptures. So it is not only the Old Testament, but the New Testament. So that the Holy Spirit, when he came, he guided Matthew and Mark. Sometimes when I'm reading the Scriptures, I, I say, how did, the, how did the disciples get to know this? It's because the Holy Spirit taught them. He told them what to, to write. That is why we say we believe in verbal inspiration. That God told the, the, the writers of the scriptures what to say because it is his mind to us, not our minds, about him. And so, with time running out, I better hurry up here. I want you to see, thirdly, the authority of scripture. The authority of the scriptures. Paul's writing to Timothy said, this word which you have, which led you to salvation. This is how a person comes to be saved. It's inspired by God. And then he writes, all scripture is inspired by God and is profitable. And profitable. It is profitable precisely because it comes from God. It is not because men wrote it. It is because God's mind is being exposed when we come to the scriptures. What does it mean to be profitable? It means it has authority. It means that the scripture can speak to issues in an authoritative way without apologies. I, I said in my prayers, the governor of, of Washington State this past week has given an edict and said she will introduce a bill where she will legalize same-sex marriages. And, and she said, I think the time has come for us to do this. <laughs> I thought, oh, who gave, who gave you time? You see, my friends, if it was wrong in the first century, and Scripture says it, it's wrong in the 21st century, because the Scripture still speaks to it. See, that's why the Scriptures are profitable. And sometimes you will come up against tremendous odds that fights against the authority of Scripture, but my friends, to fight against the authority of Scripture is like putting your, 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 your boots on, going to, to Mount Hood and kick it because you don't like its location. <laughs> the only one that will lose is you. See, this, the Scripture speaks authoritatively. Uh, I think it was Ted Koppel speaking to a bunch of students at uh, um, a graduation exercise. He said, listen, the Ten Commandments are not Ten Suggestions. It's ten authoritative word that God speaks to human behavior, human responsibility. So the scriptures are effective because they're profitable. The scripture equips, equips, for it equips us because God reveals himself to us what we are to become, what we are to do. He tells us what to think. 
Scripture is profitable for teaching. That is doctrine. What we believe. If I came here telling you this is what I think about this, that, my friends, that will not do. I can't speak to you as, as someone rightly says, that's your opinion. I said, just a minute, I didn't write it. It's not my opinion. This word is not an opinionated word. This is God's revelation. I have no choice. Here I stand, I can do no other. So here, it's equipping. What does it do? It gives me what I am to believe. It's not that I believe anything. I'm told that, that India, the Indians have 10 million gods. Now, now which one do you believe? <laughs> 10 million gods. But the Bible tells us what we are to believe. And, and may I just say something here in the words of G.K. Chesterton, that, that we have only one way to salvation. If God had given us 10 ways, we would want 11. See, we're never satisfied because we think we ought to have some part in it. That's again, is that democracy syndrome. So the Bible gives us what we are to believe. It's profitable for teaching, doctrine, instruction, education. That's what the Bible is useful for. It means that by the word of God, we know how we are to conduct ourselves for training in righteousness. How do I know what is right and wrong? There are certain things that used to be wrong and now they're right. And certain things that used to be right and now they're wrong. And I'm not talking about the difference between margarine and creamier butter. <laughs> I remember when I was a child... They used to say, no, this is not good for you, but this one is. And I, I, I just lived for the day when I could get creamery butter. It's supposed to be better. <laughs> we use the scriptures that way, don't we? I like this, I don't like this. It is said that Thomas Jefferson had the holiest Bible that one ever had. You know why? Because what he didn't like, he cut out. The Bible tells us how we're to live our lives. Not the pastor. Not the deacons. That's why we're reading the scriptures. So that you will discover for yourselves what the Bible says about how you ought to relate to one another, relate to your wife, relate to your husband, relate to your children, relate to your parents, relate to your community. The Bible teaches us all that. Thirdly, it is the source for spiritual usefulness. It is not the man who has the most money that gets the opportunity to get positions in the church. Not the man who has the most education that gets the best opportunity. None at all. It is the man who submits to Scripture. Let me close from Isaiah chapter 66. And with this I close. Isaiah chapter 66 and verse 2. I live by this passage in my life. Verse 1. Heaven is my throne, the earth is my footstool. When there is, where there is a house, you could, where, where then is a house you could build for me? And where is a place that I may rest? Then God says this, For my hand made all these things. Thus all these things came into being, declares the Lord. But, but, to this one I will look. To him who is humble and contrite of spirit 
and who trembles at my word. God said of all the people in the world, position, power, everything, I bypass every one of them and I look to the person who trembles at my word. Why? Because what God is saying will come true. And if it's judgment, it will come true because God has said it. If it's blessing, it will come true because God has said it. And so we live, my friends. We're going through the scriptures because the scriptures are the means by which God equips us not only to live with one another, but to live in honor of him. Let us pray. Father, I pray that your word will accomplish your purpose. Sure, I chose this text, but, oh God, I pray that it may not have come across as whipping for the congregation. God forbid, if anything, I want the congregation to see how precious this word is. May the Holy Spirit accomplish his purpose for the word being given this morning, I pray in Jesus' name.